Uh, so awesome to have you out this morning. I want to let you know right away that if you are a kid, K through 6, you can do what my kids are doing and run right over that way. Um, and Miss Rachel will be around the building there. Um, and so great, great stuff we got planned for them. And uh, I'm just, I'm thrilled to have everybody out this morning. Uh, I want to say hi to anybody watching online. Um, if you're a long hauler and you're staying safe, we love you. We miss you. We got a great crowd of people here. Um, and we appreciate you being part of what God's doing here. So I remember it was probably seven years ago um, that my family and I, we have this uh, little piece of property upstate that we go camping on. And about seven years ago, we were getting, getting uh, stuff set up around the campground, and we forgot something that we needed. You know, I don't, I don't remember what it was. Maybe it was milk, maybe it was eggs, and, and uh, no cell phone service, so you just kind of pick a direction and drive and hope to find the nearest little store. And we came across this little store, and honestly, the whole town is literally one intersection. That's, that's the entire town. And there's this, I, we're looking at this store, and we're like, it doesn't look like it's in business anymore. Like, just from the outside, doesn't look like it's done any upkeep in the past 20 years. But we're like, you know what, maybe, oh, look, a person came out of it. Okay, so, like, it is a functioning store, and we go inside, and it's this little, like, whatever you think of a general store in a little town, that's what this store was. And I remember going in, and there were, there were like two tables there for, for people to have like a little breakfast sandwich or something, and then there was just what you needed. And I remember at one of the tables, there were, there were five guys crowded around one table of four, and they were just sitting around this table, and they were just drinking their coffee. Like, that's where they would always be. And I remember that because for the next seven years, every single time we've been in that little general store, the same guys have been around the same table at the same time drinking the same cup of coffee. For seven years we've been there. And I, I get the impression that we just jumped in about 20 years into their little mission to meet together every single morning. And I wondered, I wondered, like, what would happen sometime if we got up at the crack of dawn before they were awake and we went in, and what would they do if we went in and we sat at their spot? Like, I just, I wonder, like, if we went in and we sat there, would they walk in and would they just do one of those little takes and, and look over at us like, you don't understand how this works, do you? Like, this is, this is where we sit. We get it from 6 till 11, and it's ours, and nobody else sits here. I'm so, I wonder if they would ask us to leave. I, I wonder that, honestly, because when you have a spot, if you've ever been in a place like that where you have a spot and it's yours, there's a sense of ownership that comes with it that if somebody else were to interrupt that, you'd feel like they were taking something from you. Start out this way because the church of Corinth, um, they've got a, a church in, the, in this first century church where it had become about their spot. Like it was about them. It was about their spotlight. They were being, each person was about their sense of ownership. It was about them being recognized. Church wasn't about how they could love each other. It was about how they could find the same seat and do the same thing on the same way that they wanted to every week. And so what we find is we, we continue the series that we've, we've entitled, um, oh, what do we even call, what do we call this series? This is horrible. I, where do I fit? Thank you. We're, as we're in this series, where do I fit? We've been looking at this idea of spiritual gifts where God has made each of us uniquely great at loving him, loving others, and loving the world. And if we make it about our spot, if we make it about us, and how, we, how, how it really satisfies me and my desires, then it's not quite what God designed it to be. See, we were looking at it not so much with where's my spot as we are where's my fit. And the two to me, while they appear 
to be subtly different. I feel like they're drastically different at the same time. You see, spot, spot the emphasis is on ownership, and fit the emphasis is on relationship. Spot, it's, it's about your comfort and, and you getting what you want. Fit, it's about consideration of others. Spot, it's about recognition, whereas fit, it's about what's my role? How do I, how do I fit into this? And so what Paul does is he comes along to the church of Corinth, and he's a messenger given this task by God to say, hey, look, when you go to church, let me give you this kind of overview of how this all works. God is, is the Father, and he's the Son, and he's the Spirit. And the Spirit, what he does is, is the moment that you place faith in Jesus Christ, he puts you into the body. Like you're joined with other people who believe the same thing. You have a connection there that the Spirit brings. And, and then he gifts you, he gives you an ability that makes you uniquely great at loving other people. And he says it's for the common good. And so he goes, here's what you need to understand. God put you in here. God gave you this gift. And now he kind of has this moment where he comes to the church of Corinth. And it's like, it's like that head scratching moment where you see somebody doing something where that's not really the way it should be done. He, he kind of scratches his head and he goes, he goes, hang on a second. Like, you're gathering to worship the most loving God that has ever been dreamt of. He's the most loving being that's ever existed. And you're going to gather in a way that's not loving? Like, that, that doesn't make sense. That seems contradictory to the very nature of who he is to gather in a way that is about spot more than it is about fit. And he goes, love's absent everything's out of order and you've made yourself and not him the priority in it all so first corinthians 12 that that's kind of the setup i want us to look at it we're going to read verses 12 through 20 it says this just as a body so speaking as a group uh, as a church just as just as a body though one has many parts but all its many parts form one body so it is with christ for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed each part in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Let's pray. God, I pray that you give clarity to us as we consider this. I pray that it connects not just with our head, but with our heart. Lord, we are on a mission to love this world the way that you have called us, the way that you've loved us. And that mission will have far more influence if we can do that well together. I pray for your guidance and your wisdom in this, Lord, that we can understand kind of what role we play and how we fit together in a way that helps your mission move forward as we try to love this world. In your son's name we pray, amen. So Paul's going like, if you're going to meet together, it should at least represent and reflect the one that you're meeting to worship. And there's, there's two things about this that, that I want to kind of shape 
each of us this morning. And, and the, the, the idea is that, one, that love should push you to discover where your fit is. That love should push you to discover where your fit is. And then, two, the entire concept of what we're talking about should be very emboldening for you. It should bring a confidence out of you. So, so that's, it, it love should push you to, to, to discover, and then two, the entire concept should be very emboldening to you. Now, have you, ever, have you ever tried to, like, work on a puzzle, and you get to the puzzle, you get a piece out, and, and the, I, I don't know if you can see this, but have you ever picked up a piece where the corners or the edges are all bent? Have you ever seen it like, like, like that? Have you ever seen that happen? You, you know what is a guarantee, you know what that tells you? Like if you're, if you're a detective and you're looking at that and you're trying to figure out a clue about this, that is a surefire sign that a little kid tried to put that piece where it didn't belong. Or somebody was very impatient and just thought they'd try it. Because what happens is, it's like, it looks like it should go there and then you just kind of force it in. Have you ever seen a little kid when they're trying and they're just learning how puzzles work? What do they do? They get a piece that somewhat looks... And instead of taking their time to see, like, how does this line up? How does it work with the other pieces? They're just like, I'll just mash it in. And I'll just push it, and then it will go, and, and it doesn't work. And the puzzle piece bends. H- here's the thing. Like, I think when we, when we consider this idea of spiritual gifts, that God has made you uniquely great at loving him, loving others in the body of Christ, and loving the world, th- there's an idea where you fit, and it doesn't have to be forced. It doesn't have to be demanded. It can be discovered. And love, love should drive you. It should push you. It should compel you to say, how do I best fit within the body to be able to love other people the way that God guided me to? In fact, I would say it like this. I would say that loving others should, and and finding your fit and how you do that really well should be one of your highest priorities in life. Because I think, and we talk about this a lot, like when I get to the end of my life, I hope that I leave a legacy where there's people standing up and saying, that guy loved me. I don't care if people say that guy was smart or that guy w- was you know, athletic or that guy accomplished a lot. I, I just hope people say, that guy loved me. And for me to then look at how God designed this all to work, there should be a part of me that says one of my highest priorities should be to understand how has God wired me how has he designed me to be really good at loving other people and then to find my fit in the church in a way that, that helps that to be at its highest? That I'd understand my own unique function and, and, and how God has designed me this way. Look, this was really cool this morning. I love um, the, the staff and the way that they've been doing things and they've, they're kind of working, creating this. I don't know if you've realized this, but we call it the serve team. We're trying to bring a little bit more organization to some of the different things that we do with uh, volunteers helping out for different things. And I was walking around this morning, and uh, I, was, I felt pretty good about where we are going, so like I, I knew Sermon was ready to go. And I was like, all right, I got some extra time on my hands. I'm going to like walk around and help out where we need help. And so, like, I start to, like, carry out a chair, and then I notice, like, other people were doing that. And then, like, I start to try to get some stuff to take it down to the, the tent that you passed when you walked in, and other people were doing that. And then, like, I asked, like, somebody at the, the soundboard, and they could see that I was desperate to help, but they knew it was a bad idea. And they just literally told me, why don't you just go do something else? Why don't you go study? And I was like, Okay. And, uh, like, I loved it because, and like, at first I was like, I want to help, I want to help. And I was like, that's not who God made me. And I don't have to 
because the people who got made to do those things were doing those things. It was amazing. And I felt loved. And I felt like I can focus on who God made me to be and they can focus on who God made them. I was like, this is what we're talking about. This is what it's about. A group of people who aren't saying, this is my spot, it's all about me, but just they're fit. And it works out beautifully. And this is what he's talking to me. He goes, just as a body, though one, has many parts, all parts form one body. And that idea of forming is considered as saying, how can I live out my gifts in a way that's beneficial for the whole body of Christ? Because otherwise, if I don't, if I don't, the very reality is then someone is not being loved and blessed by me. And that's where he goes, look, if we just wear a bunch of eyes, where would the hearing be? If we just were a bunch of ears, where would the sense of smell be? Where, where would all, it, it all works together in a way that's incredible. And so here, here's what I think as you look at 1 Corinthians and you say, wow, where did they go wrong? Like it can work so well. Where did it go? Where did it get off track? How did it lose its direction? I think, this is, this is my guess. I think the church of Corinth had a bunch of people who were looking for their significance through recognition. They wanted to find that search for significance. They wanted it to be in other people recognizing them. Please, don't fall into a trap where you think that you are significant based on whether or not other people recognize it. And, and I love you, but I, I've, I've met with far, many, far too many people and, and heard too many stories for you to think th that that somehow, if other people recognize you, it'll make your hurts go away. If other people recognize you, then it will make you feel a certain way about yourself. If other people recognize you, that it, that it will cover over some of what you've experienced. That's not how this works. Your search for significance is not found through recognition. It's found through sacrificial love towards other people. It's not found from individual praise. It's found... It's found as you pursue the common good of others and God himself gives you the recognition. I get it. Recognition is good. Uh, Jeff Willis, when he preached a couple weeks ago, he talked about how when, when he vacuums around the house, he likes to vacuum because your wife can see that you vacuumed because you can see the marks left from the vacuum. He goes, we like that. And he's right, we do like that. But at the end of the day, if you attach your significance to recognition, it will always leave you wanting more. On the other hand, if you attach your significance to God, I'm going to invest in a church, in a community for the common good, and I'm going to trust you to, to recognize me. That's where you gain a legitimate sense of self-significance because you serve God in a way that he desires. Why? Because it's not about individuals, it's about the body. And love should drive you to consider how has God made me uniquely great at loving him, loving others, and loving the world for him. Second thing is this entire concept, if you really think about it, should be very emboldening. This should be like a shot in the arm to you. I don't, why do we say that? Why do we say shot in the arm? Has anybody ever gotten a shot in the arm and felt better afterwards? Like that was really encouragement. I got a shot in the arm. No, I don't, whoever coined that phrase like, it's, that should be a bad thing. Like, if you have a bad day, somebody should say, oh, you got a shot in the arm, didn't you? But for some reason, shot in the arm is a good thing. This should be an actual encouragement that, that God has designed the body and so specifically that he's designed you 
to play a significant role in it. Think about this. I, I love the way that Mark Taylor writes about this concept. He says, this means there is no insignificant, no unimportant, no inconsequential member of the body. There is none. There is no insignificant, no unimportant, or inconsequential member of the body. And a lot of times we hear that and we say, yeah, but. Why? Because you attach your recognition to what somebody else, your, your significance to whether or not somebody else recognizes you. And what Paul does in 1 Corinthians 12 is say, no, no, no. That's not the case. There is an incredible amount of significance because attached to you is, is a plan where God himself has, has without accident designed you the way that he designed you. And so Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12 and he's going, some of you have a gift of wisdom some of you got a gift of generosity. Some of you have hospitality or teaching or prophecy or faith, faith or, or, or knowledge. And, and it's like he steps back and say, do you think that's an accident? Like, do you think a bunch of people just showed up at the same church, all having different but complementary gifts, and you all decided to start worshiping Jesus at the same time? Like, this is just some big coincidence. And he says, this isn't a coincidence. This is a composition. This is God designing something. Like if you hear a song, you don't think, huh, that's a coincidence. Some stuff happened to rhyme. Oh, that, that beat is pretty nice and that rhythm's consistent throughout it all and, and, and there's notes and a chorus and a verse. Wow, that is one big happy accident. No, you listen to a song and you say, that's not an accident. That's, that's intentional. I get it. Some might sound like they're an accident. I mean, what does the fox say? I don't know how that became a song. But there's intentionality behind it. And you go, that's designed. That's specific. That's intricate. 1 Corinthians 12, 18. God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. The idea here is, is when it says he placed, or he, some, some versions say he arranged the parts in the body, it, it's a complexity with a task in mind. A complexity with a task in mind. That God said, I want to reach this world, and I love you all, but one of you cannot do it as well as one of us can, as us corporately. And, and so he says that he arranged the body just as he wanted. I got, I got a buddy um, who... Uh, he works with GMC out in Michigan, uh, just, just a super great guy, and 99% of his job, year-round, is to work and design the aerodynamics of one hood on one automobile. That's his job. I mean, he studies, he goes in the wind tunnel, tunnel he, looks at the, he looks at the computer, he, he measures how different things affect it, and if he does one thing, how does it affect the other thing? That, that's his entire job. You talk about precision. He spends 300 days a year working on this one concept, one hood on one automobile. Why? Because it's designed intentionally with a purpose in mind. There is divine precision placed behind every part of the body. And just as we get, you look at an eye, and if you were to study an eye, you'd say, that's incredibly complex. All the different ways that it works and all the things that it can do and Paul uses his analogy and says, you're just like a part in the body. And that's not meant to, to say you're not important. That's meant to say, wow, you're incredibly complex. That God has designed you. He made you. He took your personality. He took your history. 
And he gave you these gifts. And he said, now, in the most loving way possible, fit into a body of Christ. Fit into a church. I don't even care if it's this one. Fit into a church and find how to love other people and to love me and to love the world really, really well. Because I have designed you in a way that is precision, precision technical for you to be able to have an influence on this world. You know what it's like? It's like if you've ever looked up something on Google Earth. You ever look on, on the Google Earth app where it, like it goes and it, it takes one spot wherever you were looking at before and then it zooms all the way out and then the whole planet kind of spins and then it, then it goes down and it zeroes in on the exact spot that you're looking up and it just, it goes right there. That's, that's what 1 Corinthians 12, 18 does. He says, God designed the body, every part of it, just as he wanted it to be. Each one. Uniquely great at loving God and loving others. And so if we keep with our puzzle analogy, that means you got a spot that you fit and no other place, no other piece fits the way that you fit. And, and, and so as much, as much as you look for your fit in the world, it starts with the body of Christ. Because that's where you were, that's where you were precision cut to find a role and find, find a fit. And, and so then if that's the case, then there's, there's three things that I want to be shaped by that. Three things that I want that to shape the way that we go about day-to-day life. And, and the first one is this, is that then the collective mission of the body far outshines the individual accomplishments of the parts. Collective, a collective mission of the body far outshines the individual accomplishments of the parts. That this is true, and this is how God designed you, and this is where we fit as a piece in this puzzle that God's trying to put together to be able to reach the world, then your individual accomplishments in life are nowhere near as important as the collective accomplishments of the church. Ephesians chapter 2.10 is one of our favorite verses. Like, you see this all the time where people, if they say, like, this is my favorite verse. They have a verse on the wall. This is one of those verses that we put on the wall. But you know what we've done? We very much have Americanized this verse. And I did it, and I was guilty of it. And I read this verse again this week, and, and I was like, wow. I can't believe I've missed this in the 200 times that I've read this prior. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know what we do? We take it and we say, I am God's handiwork. I was created in Christ Jesus. I have had good works prepared in advance for me to do. But that's not what Paul says, is it? He says, for we, the church, we are designed. We are the work of God's hands. We are are intricate. We are detailed to accomplish things collectively. Not so much individually, but collectively. Because the corporate mission that the body accomplishes is way more important. I mean, that would be like a hand saying, look what I've done, I've drawn this. And the body's like, right, but you needed eyes to see it, and you needed an arm, and you needed, a brain, you needed the rest of the body. Because it's not about the individual body part, it's about the body. Second thing, and, and this is going to challenge you. Like, if I'm just being real with you, this... I, I put this down as a point and prayed through it. Like, God, does this go here? And, and I, I absolutely believe this is something that's huge for us. Then if this is the case, and the collective mission of what we accomplish as a church is more important than what we accomplish as individuals, if that's the case, then, then we need to realign our life to allow for our fit. Realign, reprioritize our lives to allow for a fit. To say, okay, 
if this is really that important, then do I actually have space and time for it to be that important? You know, you know what I love? We went through this whole pandemic and we're kind of coming out on the other side of, of the quarantine. You know what I've noticed? I, I've just kind of taken note like different people's like posts and stuff on Facebook. And you know what I see an awful lot less of right now? Like families going out and doing stuff together. People just enjoying and resting and relaxing. You know what I see? A lot of busyness. With busyness comes complaints. It comes frustrations. I love you. I love you. There is only so much of you to go around. And my hope and my prayer is that you let God speak over your time before you let sports or, or jobs or hobbies or work or kids speak over your time. That you don't let all of those things shape your time before you, got, you say, God, what do you want me to do here? Like if you're real and I'm going to spend forever with you and, and whether or not other people get to go along and the, the church is trying to reach them, if that's what really, really matters, then God, I'm going to let you look at my schedule before I decide it. I'm going to put this in your hands. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to draw in your mind because you're all expert artists. So we're going to draw something really complicated. We're going to draw a stick figure in your mind. All right, so stick finger, don't, draw, draw the circle. Or if it's an oval, I guess you could draw an oval. We'll go circle. Um, and, but don't fill in the face yet. Leave the face blank for now. Draw the, the sticks, the body and the arms and the legs. And I want you to think around you, like everything that pulls for your time, and just draw an arrow and, and say maybe kids or an arrow and say work or an arrow and say school or whatever. Just all the arrows for the things pulling you and, and just fill them all in. All the arrows pulling you away because they're all pulling at you. They're, they're wanting your attention. They're wanting your time. They're wanting your energy. And after you draw all the things that call for you, now you can go ahead and fill in the face. What does a face look like when it's been pulled in 100 directions? What does a face look like when there's always somewhere else it should be? Man, I, I wish we would realign our lives. Not based on what society tells us to, but based on what God designed us for. I don't think, I, 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 th I think deep down we want to fit. I think that's where this idea of where do I fit really connects with us individually. You cannot fit if you're being pulled in every direction. You don't work that way. You might have to sacrifice things. You probably have to sacrifice things. And, and I understand me telling you this might not be what you want to hear. But is it good for you? When I was a kid, we were in the mountains, and my aunt uh, gave us a bunch of oatmeal cookies. I love oatmeal cookies, if you're wondering, just as Christmas comes around the corner. Um, and, and she gave us a bunch of oatmeal cookies, and she gave them, and they looked a little bit different. And she goes, she goes, here's your oatmeal cookie. And I was like, wow, that looks great. What are those things? And she was like, they're orange sprinkles. And I was maybe like eight years old. So like I just started eating them, and I loved them. They were incredible, the best cookies I ever had. And my aunt, after like a day of enjoying these things, she goes, you know, those orange sprinkles aren't really orange sprinkles. And I was like mid-cookie, and I was like, what are you talking about? And she goes, they're actually shredded carrots. And I have never been so mad in my life as I was right then. And I set the cookie down, and I was like, that is, I'm I don't like them anymore. She's like, this is, what do you mean? You've liked them all day. I'm, I don't like them anymore. I think so, I mean, like, here's the thing. If you think about the idea of what it would mean to follow after God and to find your fit and have really great significance and love other people and have great influence, and you're like, this cookie's really good. And I'm like, you're going to have to give your time over to God. And you're like, I don't like it anymore. 
It stopped being good the moment I saw what it cost. It stopped being good the moment I realized there was something else that it, that it called for. Maybe it's been good the whole time. And maybe quarantine, maybe what it did was slow you down and make you say, this is actually really enjoyable to do life a little bit differently. It might take sacrifices, but man, realign your life. Third thing is, man, I, I just, I pray you press this idea of precision into your heart. That God made you the way that he made you and he didn't mess up. He designed you that way. And he wants to use you in a way that, that shapes you and fits into the body to change this world in the most loving way imaginable. Psalm 36 and verse 9, he says, For with you is the fountain of light. In your light, we see light. I love that phrase. In your light, we see light. That we understand reality itself by understanding you. We understand this world by understanding you. We understand ourselves by understanding you. Because in your light, we see light. And you know what? If you want to fit, God designed you. He, he, he detailed you the way that he did. If you want to see light, you want to see yourself the way that God sees you, start there. Let's pray. God, you are incredible. And, and Father, I, I love you so much. And I have a deep passion that each of us would know what it means to find not our spot, but our fit in the most loving way possible that we would discover, God, how did you wire me? Did you make me really hospitable? Then maybe I can help with the, with the greeting or maybe I can host in a community group. Or, or God, did you make me just have this joy and energy and desire to, to encourage people that I'm just going to go around and do it? How did you make us? God, show us. Help us to discover that. And Lord, in the most loving way possible, help us to fit into the body so that we can see not individual accomplishments, but corporate ones. Because you are absolutely incredible. And by your light, we see light. 